0: I think the issue that most men have is the inability to check in with themselves. We can see that a lot of women that are, you know, very in touch with their bodies and very in touch with what's going on with them. And they're honestly the first people that usually reach out for help and health care. Whereas men typically have to have, they say, their arm falling off before they think something's going wrong and before they actually go and see somebody. Like they got to have some pretty serious shit going on before, you know, they're, they're at all seeing somebody.
1: As we approach the new year, it's definitely a time where we get to establish greater clarity with what we want to experience in our life. How do we want to look? How do we want to feel? How do we want to perform? What are the types of experiences that we want to have that nourish our soul this next year? And there's one experience in particular that I'm so pumped about. I'm going to be co-leading a sacred hunting experience with Monsal Denton out in Texas at the very end of February with a small group of men. It's February 29th through March 3rd. And this is going to be an extra special one. Because while I certainly am no hunting guy, that's all Monsal. One of the things or a few of the things that I'm going to bring to this experience is I'm going to be leading breathwork throughout the trip. Some embodiment type of breathwork that I found to be so supportive and enlivening and empowering to the experience. I'm also going to be serving a specific type of medicine that I've worked with for years now. It's called a rape, which is a tobacco snuff. It's incredibly grounding, incredibly centering, and it is a very sacred medicine. I'm, I'm very honored to carry it and to be able to serve it to the group, especially in light of the context of the hunt. We're gonna be out in nature, grounding with the men, connecting to the land, connecting to the animals, and really developing a deeper appreciation for the natural world. The other thing that I'm including as a special gift on this trip will be my Bulgarian bag program. And word on the street is we're gonna try and secure at least one or two bags so that I can teach some work out there and really show you how Bulgarian bag training can make you a stronger, more fit, and mobile hunter. This is a very unique experience happening at the end of February, February 29th through March 3rd. We only have three spots left. If you're interested in joining this trip with myself and Monsel Denton out in Texas, go ahead and go to sacredhunting.com, fill out an application. You'll hop on a call with Monsel and then just indicate that you're interested in this particular hunt with me. Now let's get into the show. Welcome to The Path Podcast. I'm Mike Salemi. I believe that uncharted trails make the best life stories. So take a deep breath, put one foot in front of the other, and trust the ground under your feet. Join me in discussions on health, performance, business, leadership, and spiritual self-mastery because these topics are windows into how well each of us have learned to trust our own path. Let's go. Today, we're welcoming back to the show, Dr. Johnny Suarez. Johnny is a seasoned functional medicine practitioner. He's an upper level Czech practitioner and a Chinese medicine doctor who brings this beautiful marriage of East and Western philosophy. Now, in today's discussion, I wanted to pick his brain on What can we as men or just people in general, how can we begin to tell some of the earlier signs using some of the approaches in Chinese medicine to tell if we're overreaching, overtraining and burning ourselves out? So we look at indicators of the eyes, the tongue, the pulse, and how we can utilize Qigong to cultivate energy in the body. It's a fascinating discussion. Let's get right in. What are some of the major issues that we see not only in the world, but more specifically, with men and how they train their physical body. And one thing that's been really apparent to me, whether it's been in my own training, for reasons I've come to see you, especially early on competing, has been how I and many men and many people burn the candle at both ends. Mm -hmm. So when they engage in their physical practices, whether it's training for a sport, an activity, uh, whether it's their conditioning in the gym, how they train maybe martial arts, whatever it is, Uh, the tendency for many people, especially men, to push it beyond what their body can sustain. And so what I wanted to do today is really unpack and discuss with you uh, what are some of the biggest tools, techniques, and also just ways of thinking about how to bring balance in the body from more utilizing movement as medicine. So we'll start off there and see sure. where kind of we, we head into. So what have you tended to see personally in that regard, and then we'll kind of, we'll, we'll flow from that point.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So <clears throat> what I've seen just in working <clears throat> with men clients over the years, you know, it's pretty consistent among um, women too, but it definitely happens with men. And that's um, just, as you mentioned, burning the candle at both ends Um, I think as men, many of us can identify with sacrificing ourselves for the good of our family, right? To, to do whatever we can to provide, to do whatever we can to make ends meet. And that often comes at the expense of your own health and then put on top of that training or whatever else it is that's, that you're expending energy with and, Over time, you know, that's basically going to deplete the body. And and many people can, they can sustain that for a while. They can essentially run off of adrenaline. And this is what Mm. I see is is that in Chinese medicine, we actually have this concept of using liver energy versus using earth energy. Mm. Liver energy is your nervous system. And so when you are in a little bit more fight or flight, go, 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 that's your liver energy, we say. And obviously we need that at times, it's important, it's normal, but if we are constantly pushing pedal to the metal, constantly in this go-go state, then we are essentially using adrenaline, you know, which is a hormone that, um, it's a stress hormone. It's a hormone that, um, you know, gives you energy, but it's supposed to be really for short-term energy for fight and flight, When we are in a chronic state of using that as our form of energy, it depletes us. It just starts to slowly deplete us internally, um, nutritionally depletes us. It makes it harder to sleep. And so that's in contrast to using what we also call earth energy to move forward in life. And that's the more grounded, sustainable, consistent, even energy. Versus an erratic up, down, you know, push, crash, push, crash, which is what a lot of people, uh, a lot of men, you know, are really in the habit of doing is pushing themselves, crash, like they just pass out and sleep, but it's maybe not great sleep. And then wake up and do their routine all over again. And um, so just, I guess, from like a, a general standpoint, that's one of the biggest things that I see what I see in practice, I guess, with with men and, and everybody a lot.
1: Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And, you know, with that, maybe that overreaching or overtraining or pushing beyond what the body can capacity, you know, their, their capacity to do so, can you share some additional signs and symptoms? You know, I imagine that most people listening, like if you're really being honest with yourself, you know yeah. when you're pushing it longer or harder. Now, oftentimes I will say, We start because that adrenaline or because our our mindsets are very strong or because you know, as men specifically to your point earlier, there's oftentimes the responsibility to provide financially for the family or to wanna be that person in the family. Yep. So there's a lot that goes into it. However, There are many times when we think we can get away with it for, and then until there's like a, the straw that breaks the camel's back. So what maybe are would you mind sharing like a, I don't know, a a list of things that come up in addition to maybe wanting to crash out and sleep to where some guys or some people out there can start tuning into and fine tuning that barometer inside of when they're either overreaching, overtraining, or burning that candle too much.
0: Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And I'll just say before that, before I go into that, I think the issue that most men have is the inability to check in with themselves. That's, we can see yep. that a lot of women that are, you know, very in touch with their bodies <laughs> and very in touch with what's going on with them. And they're honestly the first people that usually reach out for help and health care. Huh. Whereas men typically have to have, they say their arm falling off before they think something's going wrong, and before they actually go and see somebody, like they gotta have some pretty serious shit going on before you know they're they're at all seeing somebody. But so I, I would say that's that's it's a it's a gift and a curse because one, it helps you push when you need to push, right? Mm-hmm. When you need to provide and you need to get shit done, great. But the drawback to that is is that you're now a bit numb to maybe what the subtle signs and symptoms that may starting to become up that you are overlooking or not paying attention to. And so that's kind of the, uh, the dark side to it. And so I think that's where men in particular need to take moments where they check in with their bodies, check in with themselves and kind of just give themselves that honest assessment of how am I doing right now? Do I need, to pull back on some things. So I need to give myself a little bit of recharging and recovering before I put the pedal to the metal again. So with that said, some of the um, um, signs and symptoms I would say early on is just fatigue, right? If If you just notice that you are feeling more tired than usual, this usually shows up as um, waking up and feeling like you have not fully been, not fully rested.
1: Even if you've potentially have gotten enough, even quote if you have hours. Exactly. Let's right. say you
0: got eight hours of sleep and you're like, wow, like kind of dragging this morning mm. and just don't feel like I got enough sleep. That's one sign. Um, afternoon drops. In in your energy, um, that can also be related to like food and blood sugar and all that stuff. But let's just say your food has been consistent; like you've everything has kind of remained the same. And now all of a sudden, for no apparent reason, you're just kind of noticing that energy is just kind of tanking a little bit more in the afternoon. That's another sign you're you're becoming depleted. And then that can also show up as difficulty falling asleep at night too. You're overstimulated. You know, you may be pushing Mm. so hard even into the evening times. (laughs) Now you're finding it's hard to even fall asleep. I'm finding it's hard to calm my mind, calm my breath, and actually get into a state of even just restfulness Mm. before even sleep happens. And I think that's another thing that is another subtle thing that people don't pay attention to, especially guys. It's like work, 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 push, 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 right up to, let's say, 10 p.m. at night when I got to go to bed and then crash. That's not good you are not you're not giving your body that that nice rhythm circadian rhythm of of giving yourself a couple of hours to like chill, mm-hmm. calm, not overstimulate, you know, get prepare the body that it's getting ready for bed, it's getting ready for sleep versus just crash. So those are important things to pay attention to. I would say just from an energy perspective and a sleep perspective. Um, many people now have wearable devices watches, phones there's free apps for tracking heart rate variability and that's a great I think a great biofeedback um, tool that really everyone has access to if you have a smartphone and you can get a free app to start tr- tracking and looking at because what it's doing is it's giving you a sense of biofeedback like how m- how's my nervous system doing in general, the higher the heart rate variability, the better, meaning that you are less stressed and your nervous system has more adaptability to stress, which is good. The lower the HRV indicates the body's under more stress, less adaptability. So any any other stress that's going to start to come on top of you is going to really start to push the limits, and that's where you may find that you maybe get injured, eat more easily. You get sick more easily. Um, Again, the the energy's tanking. And that HRV number can start to drop for several days, if not weeks, before anything ever happens. Mm. So this is, I think, a really cool tool that technology has for us today that can give us an indication of how our nervous system is doing before anything bad actually even happens. It takes time to... Um, first, build a baseline to know what your normal HRV is. Because although there are some normal ranges out there, they don't they don't have any context really. There's, you the it's really an it's really an n of one kind of situation when it comes to tracking your HRV. You need to get at least a couple weeks of a baseline measurement just to know where your baseline is. That may be considered somewhat low or somewhat high on some sort of a scale, but that really doesn't matter. It's like, where is your baseline number with HRV? And then is that consistent over several days, so several weeks? And then do you see it drop all of a sudden? And if you're starting to see it drop, you want to start to check in with, am I getting enough sleep? Am I overtraining potentially? It could be a sign of adaptation to training, which is actually a good thing. So it's normal to see Uh, drops in HRV while you are training. So that's totally fine. But if it's consistently staying low is the key. So I don't pay attention to an HRV that's low one day, two days, three days, even up to potentially a week is maybe not a problem. Maybe just a response to training because there's an adaptive response that we want to see to training where it's stressful on the body and then you rebound and you have a higher level of HRV after that. So that may happen and that would be a normal response. But if you are now finding that after a week's worth of time, your HRV is now consistently low and you're even starting to maybe feel some symptoms of maybe not doing so good, that's pretty much an indication you need to probably change something. You need to look at something. So I want to pause there for a moment and give you a chance, but I can go into some also some other Chinese medicine kind of stuff to look at.
1: Yeah, I, I, I'd love that. Um, especially because part of this is to really unpack the challenge and the problem that so many people are facing. And so to look at it from multiple perspectives, to have both subjective measurements, to have both objective measurements, to check in from a multidimensional level you know, if you're wearing a device, great. And also what happens if you don't have a device, which is really what, you know, again, having this multidisciplinary approach, there's a time and a place for everything. And mm-hmm. uh, one thing that comes up just as a very quick story, I was leading my men's group this week, the Path to Inspired Action. Mm-hmm. And one of the the gentlemen commented <clears throat> that, as you know, like I lead a lot of breath work in different yeah. capacities. And uh, so before... Every single call at the beginning, and they have daily breathwork practices that they do uh, for different intentions and rationales to upregulate, to downregulate, to whatever we're trying to do. And he made a comment, and this is a, a gentleman who's done a f- tremendous amount of work on himself. And he had said something to the effect of like, it always surprises me that after you know the breathwork, which could last five minutes to twenty minutes or so, mm-hmm. he's like, it always surprises me that how quickly. It shows me, um, like what my real baseline is. Like, I come in with some energy, whatever, then we do the breath work, and all of a sudden, I'm like, Wow, yeah, I'm actually really tired. Yeah, and I think breath work, at least in my experience, like an experiential thing like that has been really helpful and telling for them and for myself because I find that a lot. It's like, I'm going, I'm excited, I'm passionate, I love doing what I'm doing. And yeah, there's apps, and I got a new a new son. You know, he's ten months old. I was telling you he just got sick. Right. So I'm running on Papa energy. I'm running yep. on passion. Yep. Uh, and on good food and stuff like that. Yep. With that being said, when I do certain breath works, it's so telling. It's like, oh, Mikey, you need to uh, slow down. And sometimes myself, you know, I need that like a, a visceral check. Yep. Um, to where I get distracted, I get busy, and so. Breath work has been really helpful. So in addition, what else comes up from like a Chinese medicine perspective?
0: Yeah, so some really good you know free things to be <coughs> aware of daily. Um, so we we pay attention to tongue and pulse um, in Chinese medicine and there's some other things too, like your eyes. but um, one of the things that actually I kind of do on somewhat of a regular basis is in the morning um, before I brush my teeth, I, I look at my tongue in the mirror. Every morning. Pretty much. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And so, what what we look at for is first the the shape of the tongue, the shape of the tongue. If it's very thin, or if it's kind of fat looking, and so those are kind of like the two biggest things you may see. Um, typically, what I would see with somebody who's more fatigued um, is is that the 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 tongue gets a little fatter. And it's because you're starting to take on a little bit more water Mm. and your body's having a little more trouble um, regulating the water passageways and detoxing potentially. We say it's a sign of um, spleen chi deficiency, which is the earth energy uh, that you're you're trying to utilize for digestion uh, as well as mental uh, function. So we use... We say we use digestive energy to to power the the head to power the mind, and so if you are being too much in you know studying too much or even working out too much, whatever it is, your your body's fatigue, we may notice uh, a slight swelling of the tongue, and then and then the next thing to pay attention to is the color of the tongue, which um, should normally be kind of this like bright pink, fresh kind of looking color, but what can tend to happen. In as you're becoming depleted and fatigued, is it be, starts to become dull? It starts to become almost whitish, or just a a, a, a a smaller hue of pink. You know, or a lesser hue of pink. It's just becoming a little bit more whitish. Mm. Um, so if it looks like it's doing that, based off of what you would maybe normally see in your tongue, then that's an indication that you're also, we say, your cheese being depleted. Your energy is being depleted. And then the final thing to look at is the tongue coat. So the coat of the tongue um, is also representative of how well you're digesting. And that's also somewhat representative of how much energy you have to digest. Or maybe even the foods that you're eating that are potentially causing too much stress on the body. But basically, it's um, the thickness is the main thing I tell people to pay attention to. Of the coat specifically? Of the coat specifically. Okay. So you should notice like this, what we call a thin white coat, which means you can still see like the little pink dots of the the, the normal color of your tongue coming through the tongue coat. When you can no longer see the pinkness of your tongue mm. through that, that, that tongue coat, it means that we say you're building up dampness. And usually it's like a, a we say thin white fur progressing to moderate to thick white fur, or a thick white coat. And it just means that your, your, your digestion, your digestive energy is weak. Your earth energy is weak. And, um, you're going to have a much more trouble digesting and, uh, you're going to just potentially have lower energy throughout the day. So from a tongue perspective, those are the things I, I recommend, um, checking out and then pulse. So with the pulse, um, The left side of your body is the yin side of the body. The right side is the yang side. Um, So we feel the radial pulse on the
1: uh, wrist. Can you explain exactly for someone listening where would that be? Yeah,
0: so basically at your wrist crease. Okay. So palm side up, Mm -hmm. wrist crease, and then we say on the radial side, which is the thumb side. So you you basically on the thumb side of your wrist, just below the wrist crease, you'll put your, you know, the pads of your fingers there, either two fingers or three fingers. You put the pads of your fingers there and you just start to search for the pulse and you should notice, you should notice the pulse. It takes some time to over just like an HRV kind of thing. You need weeks to pay attention and feel your pulse to get an idea of what, what does my pulse feel like, like baseline? Cause then that way you'll be able to detect more aberrations. But if you never check your pulse, then you're not going to really know like differences in things, or if you're not trained in how to really try and detect subtleties, then it's going to be much harder for you. So feel the pulse, do it for maybe, you know, a few minutes, Daily in the morning would be good, you know. While you're just kind of sitting up in bed, check it for a couple minutes. And what you should notice so is like a normal pulse. I mean, you should just kind of notice notice this nice smooth thump, 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 thump. And you should be able to feel that on the surface. And as you push down deeper, Mm. so in Chinese medicine, we say we have the superficial level, which is just barely touching the skin. You should be able to feel a little bit there. And then as you start to push down, you should feel it as you continue to push down. So one of the things that would show up is if you are starting to get sick, tired, fatigue, is that pulse may just weaken. So once again, you have to do this for a period of days or weeks to get an idea of what your pulse strength feels like. But you may notice that if over time you get fatigued that, or your, your body's getting depleted, that the pulse actually feels weaker mm. to you. It's like a sense of strength that's not lost there. It's, it's weak. Another thing that can happen is that we say you have a uh, floating qi, floating chi is where you're losing yin and then when the yin drops out and becomes deficient in the body then the yang floats up into the body mm. and that that shows up on the pulse too <laughs> it shows up as i can feel my pulse lightly superficially on the skin but as i press down it becomes weaker or disappears mm. so if you're noticing that you and you're not sick you may be about you may about to get sick wow. or on your way to getting sick. So that's one of the things we pay attention to. So in general, just strength of pulse is a good kind of thing to kind of check in with both sides, right? So you do left side, right side. If your left side's becoming weaker, which is what I would typically find in most men, people, you're going to burn out your yin usually a lot quicker, mm. which is the moisturizing, cooling aspects of the body that anchor the yang. Usually people are using their yang a lot and um, that, t- that side tends to be a little bit stronger for some people or a lot of people because they're, they're really using that energy the most so it's kind of staying strong. But because you are keeping your adrenaline high for too long, you're depleting the yin qualities of the body. You're, you're kind of drying out the body. Um, so one other thing I'll just touch on is Eyes. So your eyes, when you look at your eyes, and you can easily do this while you look in the mirror with your tongue each morning. And that's really the white of the eyes, I would say, is the thing to pay attention to. You should have nice, clear, white scleras, or the whites of the eyes. As soon as you start to see some little blood vessels starting to creep in there and some redness starting to creep in there, we say that's a sign of heat coming into the body or the liver is stressed and there's there's some liver heat coming into the body. This can happen when again you become depleted and your yin becomes depleted, and so and it's just a sign too of like sleep deprivation. You're just you're not getting enough rest. Um. So I would say it's a good idea to pay attention to the whites of the eyes and uh, if there's any like little blood vessels or redness beginning to form.
1: It's so funny you say that because two things come up. One, just in the last week or so. I mean, I'm with Luca every single day. And so I I study him. I look and observe him, how he's moving, how, I mean, now it's so wild. His smile, I mean, it's still the same smile, but it's changing because he's having seemingly more control over his facial features. Mm -hmm. So the way he's smiling is different. And uh, we look at each other in the eye all the time and his eyes are so, the whites are so white. Right. There's not even one. I'm like, my gosh, that is beautiful. Yeah. And then on the flip side, there's a, not to go too, this is all related, but there's a a guy on YouTube that I really love that fires me up for the specific purpose of what I'm looking to get out of his videos. And it's a guy named Andy Elliott. I don't know if you've checked his stuff out. I'll send you his stuff, but he's a sales guy, Okay, but he's a beast. Like he's like, no bullshit, very clear, um excellent at closing. And he, and he has like this really no bullshit sales training stuff. And I love his information. However, I mean, it's like yang on yang on yang yeah. on yang. <clears throat> and again, while I draw inspiration from a specific aspect of like improving the energy and the approach in which I sell and all that sort of stuff, he had this one reel and he was just like, he actually commented on his eyes. He's like, I realized, um, I'm paraphrasing, but he's like, my eyes, there's no white in my eye anymore. My eyes are completely red. And he goes, and all I want is to have my eyes turn white again. Mm -hmm. But he's like, I've realized that like a part of that is the cost that he's put on himself. Right. And I don't, I don't know if he, I, I highly doubt he has, rem, maybe I'm wrong, remotely the understanding that you even just basically just touched on. Yeah. But it was interesting because when you see how he shows up and yep. he's a badass, he's going yang, yang, yang. Exactly. And he even commented, he's like, my eyes are, are completely red basically at yep. all times. Yep. And uh, so it was just interesting noticing that. Um, and uh, yeah, so thank you for sharing that, brother. Yeah. Um, anything else coming up for you there?
0: Um, I just want to say that just to kind of sum that up, it's it's just the typical presentation from a Chinese medicine perspective to see men overly young and depleting their yin, which kind of segues maybe a little bit into Qigong because into yeah. Qigong... When we when we do our qigong practice, it's recommended that men put their left hand, which is the yin side, on their lower abdomen, which is where our, our energy storage tank is in Chinese medicine, called the lower dantian, or dantian. And then the right hand's on top. So mm. yang is is less present. The yin, the yin hand, the left hand for men should be on that lower abdomen because we want to nourish our yin more.
1: Mm, you know, I'm happy you mentioned Qigong because as you know, like that's an area that one I'm hugely curious about. Yeah, um, And it's something that I've had you come into the men of movement retreats and lead uh, on the different days. You know, there is a movement component mm-hmm. on every single day and to have some form of restorative movement and energy cultivating movement, I think is just invaluable. And so uh, before we break that down, there's something that comes up and I think it fits in exactly what you're talking about now. Yaakov Darling Khan, who you know because he's he's been the the wise elder who's presented at the Men of Movement retreats virtually because he's in the UK. Yep. And I was taking one of his programs, and he said something that really stuck with me, and it was something to the effect of the more, like the deeper the well or the deeper the basin of yin energy that we have, mm-hmm. the more potent. And more clear our Yang expression can be. Yes, And that really stuck with me in terms of like, again, why would someone want to explore doing these in addition to everything that we've already said? Mm -hmm. And just that, how we show up and exert, and and I'd love for you to share your perspective on that. But that was something that just really stuck with me.
0: Yeah. When you said that, what kind of came up for me was that when you have a energy cultivating practice which qigong is one of those y- you are cultivating energy you're restoring the body you are building yin if you're male and there's a there's a there's a difference between grounded focused energy versus high energy energy Yeah, you're getting a lot of shit done, but you're chaotic. Mm. You know, it's just, it's kind of like you're all over the place. You're sort of disorganized versus this grounded energy that still is powerful, but it's sharp, it's direct, it's focused, it's poignant. And I think that comes through learning how to ground our energy and um, understand the differences between high energy yang and, and grounding energy yin.
1: Mm. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely and You know, on that theme of Qigong using movement as medicine, both you and I, one of our mentors is Paul Cech. Uh And so, my exposure, most, I mean, almost all of my understanding and personal experience with energy cultivating activities is via his system. Uh And he uses the, and I know he does a lot of Qigong, but he uses the word working in Uh uh, energy cultivating activities and integrating breath with movement and while we can talk about that i'm really curious since you have so much experience personally with qigong can you just explain maybe what in addition is qigong or how it fits into working in or is it similar to tai chi and just kind of lay a little bit of foundational understanding yeah. of qigong as a practice or as a principle or method or yeah. however you would refer to it
0: yeah i would say that um you know what paul did was basically take you know, these Eastern uh, Asian practices of energy cultivation, and I'll get into a little bit more of those, but he just tried to make them a little bit more accessible to Westerners and um, a little bit more, you know, simplified into, you know, a single movement or just something a little (laughs) bit more easily, you know, uh, acceptable, digestible, or easy to do from a Westerners point of view. Um, so Qigong, um, we can really break down the two words first. Qi, um, in, um, in Chinese is, it's actually kind of difficult to completely capture in English, but it always comes back to the word energy. But it's, I would say it's more of like a, um, it's more of a verb. It's more of like an action Mm. than it is this, this thing Right, um, it's we always in Chinese medicine we always talk about the chi of all things, the chi of the rock, the chi of the bear, the chi of the breath, the chi of the immune system, the chi of digestion, the chi of your heart, the chi of your blood flow. Like so, it's every it's essentially the um, the life the the energy that's that's infusing all of life and giving it its life. And that's what we're tapping into when we are doing Qigong. It's universal energy that enlivens life. That's what you're trying to tap into. So that's Qi. And Gong is really just um, a practice or a skill, right? So you'll know in Paul Czech's system that a Gong usually is recommended for like a hundred-day practice, right? But Qi Gong is really just a Qi practice, So, uh, or skill building, right? And, um, you know, this can be, you know, you can have any kind of gong just really practice. It could be martial arts, gong fu. So even though it's called kung fu, it's also called gong fu. So the gong as well is there. It's just a practice. So that's kind of a, you know, a little explanation of qigong, but there are really, um, three things that, uh, I would say make up qigong practice. And, uh, this can be, uh, con- this is sort of consistent without any, many different types of, uh, Qigong practice. And that is one is your mind mm. and where your intention and focus is going. Two is the breath or is the breath, what's the breath doing? And three is the posture, the body, what's the body doing? And so we call these the three regulations, and those are the things that you're trying to harmonize, to uh, synergize and get, get communicating together in harmony to start to build and tap into uh, the chi that, that, that uh, you're trying to cultivate. So um, where your intention goes, where your mind goes, the chi flows. That's the saying that we have. It's actually, we know this to be true in science to a degree through um, what's called interoception. And Mm -hmm. I know you know that word.
1: Yeah. Can you break that down for us?
0: Yeah. So interoception is your ability and sense of your internal environment of your body, really. I can feel my heartbeat. I can feel my stomach gurgle. I can feel when I need to pee. You know, those are all interoceptive Mm -hmm. sensations with when it when it comes to um just putting your thoughts and intention let's say in a specific area of your body like your chest or your arm without moving the arm as soon as you think about your arm hmm. you actually fire pre-motor areas in the brain so there's motor areas that actually move the arm but then there's pre-motor areas that once you start even paying attention to your arm, you're starting to fire these areas of the brain. And your brain is now saying, send some blood flow there. Send some neurological flow there. Interesting. So you're already directing chi flow. You're already directing resources wow. just by paying attention to the arm. We can see this in the brain and we know that we can start to measure these things too now. But that's how I kind of tell people, that's how I kind of explain it to people is is that wherever you're putting your attention in your body, you are physiologically directing blood flow and resources to that area. And we can see it based off of how your autonomics of your nervous system work. But then from a Chinese medicine perspective, from a Qigong perspective, you are building a sense of your own qi, your internal qi. And whenever I try to explain what the sensation is like, because people are always like, well, what does it feel like, right? And I think that would be helpful for people to know. And I've explained this before at the retreats, but I always, the way that I first experienced, like we'll say the sensation of chi, is a buzzing, tingling, warming, vibrating, goosebumpy type of feeling anywhere in the body. Could be your hands, feet, your chest, head, anywhere. If you can feel that kind of a sensation anywhere, you are starting to feel the chi. Hmm. The more you pay attention to it, typically the stronger it'll become, or the more connected with it you'll become. If you can't feel anything, you don't you don't have any concept of that whatsoever. You may be sort of an we say insensitive type. And there's there's people that are more sensitive to their own energies and other people's energies and there's some people that are more that are not as sensitive. I mean, take for instance like a sommelier, right? I mean, those people whatever their chemistry <laughs> and their biochemistry make up, they're special, right? They can taste all these fine things in in wine that none of us could ever pick up on. Like how is that even possible?
1: Their sensitivity is just yeah. Yeah. High level.
0: So we have that with with anybody. Like people just have different sensitivity levels. So I always tell people, if you don't feel it right away, just spend more time with it. It can take longer for some people, where some people may feel this sensation right away. As you begin to notice where it is in the body, just pay attention to it. And over time, then you should notice that, this is the way it happened for me at least, is, is that I first noticed the sensation. Then eventually I got to the point where as soon as I put my attention on a specific area, then I could feel it. Mm. And then eventually with time, I felt like I could actually move it from place to place and um, direct that, that sensation, that tingling sensation. I could now direct it where I put everywhere, wherever I put my intention. That's kind of the first part of, I would say building the sense of chi is the mind. Pay attention. Pay attention to the body. As soon as you find your mind drifting, come back to the body. Try and sense any sensations in the body, breath, and then movement. But
1: well, I know you're going to get to yep. movement, so I don't want to jump ahead. However, one question I have as you're going to the next next area, of this is, you know, since you just said where I think attention or where the mind goes, energy flows. So, with that being said, does qigong need to actually include actual like limbs moving or like physical movement, or could you potentially stand in a quote unquote static posture and still be doing quote unquote qigong? Yes. Yeah. Okay.
0: So, qigong is meditation. Okay. Which can be seated, standing, moving, laying down, running, whatever. It's it's where it's that's the mind. Is is a big part of it, yeah. So, that's what you know. When I went through some qigong training through school, um, my qigong teacher said, "There's there's standing qigong, there's sitting qigong, there's there's running qigong, there's sleeping qigong, there's, <laughs> <I'm>
1: there's sleeping. <laughs> sleeping qigong,
0: yeah." And so, yeah, it 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 can it can permeate really all all areas of your life, depending upon how much attention you are putting onto the energy in the body while you're doing these different activities or just sitting. Um, so yeah, it doesn't need to be moving. It could just simply be sitting. And then the breath. So the breath is um, either thing that you're trying to regulate during Qigong practice, and that is um, slow, soft breathing that really you'll find... Will just slow down your breaths per minute, and um, you know most people are hyperventilating these days. Mm-hmm. Most people don't even know it; they're mouth breathing or they're just shallow breathing, and they don't even know it. So now you get a chance to pay attention to your breath, bring your attention to your breath, and start to slow it down. Soft inhales through the nose, and depending upon if you're seated or moving will also kind of direct when you're inhaling versus exhaling. So for instance, if you're just seated, you're not really, you don't really have to coordinate it with anything. But if you're doing a microcosmic orbit meditation while seated or laying down, and, you know, that's something that, if you were to come to the men's retreat, you would experience yeah. the microcosmic orbit. But I'll just say that as you inhale, you want to sense energy coming up the spine. And as you exhale, you feel energy coming down the front of the body. Mm-hmm. And so then there's there's your mind right there's your intention where you're putting your attention on where you're trying to feel that sensation of energy flow, and then you're now syncing the breath with it, inhaling, feeling the energy move up the spine, exhaling, feeling the energy move down the front of the body. So that is also can be coordinated with movement. So you know in Paul Czech system he you know he has the uh, the 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 Tai Chi ruler. Right? Yes That's a microcosmic orbit meditation. It's just moving. it's just a moving version. So you know, as you go out and raise up the arms in the circle, there's usually an inhalation as you're coming back. and as you go down and move forward into the circle of Tai Chi ruler, it's an exhalation you should still be paying attention to if possible during inhalation moving energy up the spine and exhalation as you're moving that ruler down the front of the body mm. so that's just a that's just a moving form of kind of the same thing and that's that's what you know i'm pretty sure he he, he explains that but but um,
1: and for those yeah. listening what johnny's sharing just to give you maybe even more of a visual when he says ruler it's basically a, a stick um, I think it's plus or minus 12 inches or close to that, maybe 10, 12, something like that, that you basically, um, like typically it's a circular type of stick, it might have a shape, might not, like a dowel basically, and you place it right in the center of the palm, which, correct me if I'm wrong, Johnny, that's the heart mm-hmm. point, Yeah, say, right? uh, uh, <clears throat> lao, it's
0: called the laogong point, okay. or um, pericardium eight, which can, yeah, it's a, it's a primary heart point. Interesting. Pericardium point. But yeah, when you when you connect those two points with like a, a wooden object, which yeah. is like an earth element, then yeah, you're sort of connecting a circuit mm. within the hands that also helps with just circulating chi flow throughout the body. The other thing I just wanted to mention too mm. was tongue, right? So anytime that we are doing... Uh, qigong meditation or qigong movement we always want to keep the tongue on the roof of the mouth because that also closes the circuit of yin meeting yang or mm. yeah so yang goes up the body up the spine top of the head then comes down through the mouth and if you have your tongue on the roof of your mouth um, that's where it transitions to yin interesting so then the yin comes down the front of the body back into the pelvis
1: yeah that's such a a key point because we hear place your tongue on the roof of the mouth place your tongue on the roof of the mouth during yeah maybe meditation working in or abdominal exercises and I'm sure there's you know other reasons for that mm-hmm. but from your explaining of the closing of the circuit of the microcosmic orbit now it's making even more sense. Yep. Um okay cool thank you for sharing that brother. Yeah.
0: yeah and then I'll just finish with just movement you know the movement part of of it is just now We already kind of touched on that with uh, the Tai Chi ruler, but um, you could either be seated not doing anything or you could be doing some subtle movements. Many Qigong practices have various movements that are usually gentle, light, and synchronized with the breath while you are keeping your attention and awareness on the energy of the body. Hmm. So really it's just trying to harmonize all three of those things together for any kind of qi, qigong practice so that you can create this alchemy of qi flow in the body that you're cultivating. And one of the things that you'll know and uh, if you're doing it correctly or if you're achieving a good qigong practice over time is one, you become aware of your chi like if you just start noticing those those tingly warming vibrating sensations you know you're doing good Hmm. if you're noticing you're building saliva in the mouth that's a great sign because you're stimulating parasympathetic which is the rest digest for parasite which is calming down your sympathetic fight flight adrenaline go 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 (laughs) So you know that you are doing good if you notice saliva building in the mouth during or after your Qigong practice. And it's actually recommended in Qigong practice that you, you collect at the end of Qigong practice. You, you, you try and collect whatever saliva is there and you swallow it. <sighs> yeah. Because we say that that's, that's the, the saliva that you're generating from the Qigong practice that's meant to help nourish the Qi even more.
1: Very cool, brother. Well, dude, um, this has been awesome. Thank you. I love the Qigong that you've led at the retreats. It's really inspired me and I know it's been one of the the big takeaways from the guys and you teach it so beautifully and embodied and so uh, final two questions you know even in just your description of of what to pay attention to, how to really assess and check in, You know, you've already actually already given a few practices from seated, from standing, the microcosmic orbit. Is there one maybe resource that you might recommend or a practitioner or some type of anything that you would say if someone wanted to uh, explore this further? And then on the second side of that is, especially with the work that you're doing in Chinese medicine, if someone wanted to seek you out for Chinese medicine work or the other aspects of your work and your business, uh, how could people get connected with you? Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, as far as uh, resources go for qigong, there is like so much stuff that's out there. There's a lot of free stuff mm. that I think um, easily easily find on on YouTube. Um, I don't really have a particular favorite of anyone in particular. I I just kind of on, honestly sometimes I'm just checking out a lot of different people. Um, so I would encourage people to just just start youtubing and googling some you know some Qigong um, videos and introduction kind of video type stuff and getting a little more familiar with it. There's Qigong classes that one can take usually sometimes locally so you know look up in your area see if you can find a Qigong class maybe in your area. There's videos that you can easily find again on YouTube for free or you know, probably purchase some too. And you can do your own qigong practice at home. So
1: And even with that too, and I in what you had shared earlier about Check's Paul Check's work and the Check mm-hmm. Institute being a very accessible way, like even if someone got his book, How to Eat, Move, and Be Healthy yep. and applied the principles and the check-ins and all of that stuff, you know with what you just shared, I mean, that would be a, I would imagine a phenomenal. That's, that's how, yes. you know, I, did, I obviously didn't have the, the depth of understanding that you just shared. And at the same time, just what working in as a whole has done for me has been incredible. So um, just wanted to plug that resource because it's awesome.
0: Yeah, no, that's a great resource too. I, I do recommend that to to clients as well. So a uh, great addition. Yeah, and as far as um, getting in contact with me for any, you know... Um, deeper dives into your health. Basically, my my practice is centered around uh, chronic pain and chronic diseases or chronic illness. Um, So I work with people that are not getting helped typically in conventional medicine, sometimes even within alternative medicine. Um, So I I work with challenging cases usually. And uh, if you want to get a deeper dive into your health. Also, just even health optimization. So I do have other clients that they're not sick, but they are really interested in how do I stay healthy or maybe optimize for longevity. And so I do do that with with folks as well. So the best place to um, to contact me is my website, which is unified and then the letters F-M-A. Which stand for functional medicine and acupuncture.com. So, unifiedfma.com. And you can click on um, the discovery call link to set up a time to uh, have a short talk and see what you want to do.
1: Brother, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom, for supporting me since I was 17 years old. Yeah. We go back yes. and we've done a lot of deep work from gut health to performance to rehab to you name it. And I think I've shared this in our last podcast. I've basically sent every single person in my family to you among clients and everyone. So if you're listening, um, not only does Johnny have my full confidence and support, he's he's uh, he's our family doc. Uh, so thank you, brother. I appreciate you. And um, i just very grateful for you in my life. So I love you, brother. Thank you. Thank you, brother. I love you too. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow the podcast on Apple and leave a review. It means a lot. We all have a path. And I'd love to hear how this podcast has inspired you in some way to live yours.